we believe that God is sovereign in salvation and the new birth, why bother preaching? The definition of the word preach means to officiate as a herald. When you think about that, like we subscribe to the Pickens County Herald. That means to herald, to officiate as a herald, meaning that you are somebody that is spreading and proclaiming some sort of news. That's why it's the, the newspaper is the Herald, the Pickens County Herald, because they're saying, here we are, here is the, all the things that are going on in Pickens County. And, or, you know, Tuscaloosa, the Tuscaloosa News, here are all the things that are going on in Tuscaloosa. That's probably kind of a dying method of spreading the news. You know, nowadays it's mostly uh, across the Internet or your phones, things like that. Those are the things, but they all fall under that description of passing along the news, spreading the news and, and proclaiming something. And preaching is really no different than that. Now, I'll go ahead and say this. When somebody is, uh, you know, when you go in there and you start, you, you identify somebody as somebody that is officiating as a herald, you know, you might want to be careful. Sometimes people just like to spread news for the sake of spreading news. I don't know that that's healthy, but there are times that there are things that we need to be aware of. And so to preach simply means to officiate as a herald. And it's interesting when you read through the Bible, one of the things when you read about the structure that we have here of a, a, a man that stands up here and heralds something or, or teaches and spreads some news about something, one of the interesting things that I read about in the Bible about that is that it is something that the angels desire to look into. Now, angels are, are beings different than we are. They are holy. They're not corrupted by the flesh like we are. But yet it's something that they look at and they say, look at this guy right here. He, he is standing up in front of a bunch of other people and he is opening what they would reverence as God's holy, perfect, preserved word. And he's teaching them something. He's speaking about the Lord. And that's curious to them. Now, I think a little bit like yesterday, we took we went bowling as a family. We don't bowl a whole lot, but we decided, well, it's, you know, it's kind of drizzly and rainy, and we're, we're going to go bowling. And so when we went bowling, we didn't realize that on one side of the bowling alley, there was an actual bowling tournament, people that actually knew what they were doing. And, you know, they all had the, the uniforms on and, you know, all the whatever equipment that you got to have to be a really good bowler, which none of us had. And so I said, well, we're on this side of the bowling alley and they're on that side of the bowling alley. And I just wanted to kind of keep a check over there and, and at their scores. I could see the, the, the screen up there where their scores were. And there were a couple of guys in there that, I mean, they would, they would have seven or eight strikes in a row. And I'm like, wow, you know. And so as we watched them bowl, it got to the point where, and they probably thought we were all crazy, it got to the point there, one of us would go up and, and roll, and then we'd run back and we'd watch their screen. You know, we'd want to see. And before long, we were moving in that direction. We were getting close. I was like, I want to watch this guy. He's bowled eight strikes in a row. And so it was curious to us, and we wanted to look into that. It was amazing to us. It was, it was you know, it was just something that we had never really seen somebody be that good. And so we wanted to look into that. And, so, you know, if we'd have stayed much longer, we'd have been sitting over there with them. I mean, we were just steadily moving. They had a little table over there close to them. So, you know, I would roll, and me and a couple of kids would go over to that table. We'd just sit at that table like we were just, you know, at the table, but we'd be watching. Yeah. We wanted to look into that. 
And that's a picture of what the angels do when we are up here preaching is they're curious about that and they want to come look into these things. Now, you also read back through the Bible that preaching is not something that popped up in the New Testament. You read where in the, where Moses, Moses commanded and had people preaching in every city, the Bible says. I wrote a few of these things down here where the Bible specifically says that they were anointed or called to go preach. The Bible says in Nehemiah that the prophets were ordained to go preach. Isaiah says that he was appointed to preach. Jonah says it. The disciples say it. John the Baptist says it. The apostles say it. So preaching is not something that you just found in a little section of the New Testament somewhere, maybe on a page or two. Preaching and that heralding that we're talking about is from the front to the back. Brother Brother McNeil even mentioned it this morning about the preaching. And so before we look at why we preach, I want to look at first why we don't preach. In 1 Corinthians, I want to read you this one thing that Paul says. Paul says, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now, over in Philippians, in the first chapter, it says this in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. The word contention there says the one preach out of envy and strife and contention. The word contention means means selfish ambition or electioneering. Paul says that I am not preaching for my own glory. He said, but out of necessity, it is laid upon me. He says, it's something that the Lord has burdened me to do. I'm not doing it because it makes me feel good. I'm not doing it because I like it. I'm not doing it for prestige or selfish ambition or electioneering. I'm doing it because it is necessary because the Lord burdened me to do it. That's why Paul said, I preach. He said, but there are some people that are motivated in a different way. There are some people that are motivated uh, out of envy and strife and selfish ambition or electioneering. Now, I can promise you, I am not up here for that reason. Because I am not a big fan of standing up in front of a bunch of people and talking and having them all look at you. I don't mind doing it. But it's not something I look forward to. It's not something that makes me excited. It's not something that's like, oh, I get to stand up in front of everybody and they can look at me and I'm going to look like I'm important and I'm going to look like I'm somebody. That's not why I'm up here. Because it's against my nature to want to stand up here and do this. But there are some people that are selfish, out of their selfish ambition, they want to. They want to be somebody. They want to be noticed. They want to have that sense of prestige. They want to feel like they're important. And they will pursue the pulpit simply for those reasons. I've known people like that. And, you know, one of the problems that I noticed today is a lot of preachers, people, they're more in love with their ministry than they are the Lord. You get me? They're more in love with their ministry than they are the Lord. And I, you know, I've got some people that, that are on, on our Facebook account, and, and they're, they, they're, they're not primitive Baptists, but, but they have a, a, you know, what they would call a ministry. 
And they're constantly posting about it. This is what's going on. This, and they'll, they'll put pictures of, you know, look at this thing, look at that thing, ministry, 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 ministry. And they hardly ever, if ever, mention the Lord. And that ought to be some concern to us. That's a picture of somebody that's maybe more in love with what they're doing than the actual reason they should be doing it. One way you can, you can kind of detect somebody that's preaching out of selfish ambition and electioneering, the Bible says that they speak great swelling words of vanity. That means they probably sound really good. They probably have a great vocabulary and the, and the way they talk just captivates you but they speak great swelling words of vanity. Usually what they're saying, there's just no meat to it. It's empty. It's vain. The Bible describes them as being clouds and wind without rain. If you notice like a giant storm cloud coming, you can see it. It's like, man, look at that dark cloud coming. And you can see the lightning flashing in it and the wind swirling. Those clouds are going crazy. And you're like, man, that's fixing to hit us. And then it gets to you and it just passes over and there's absolutely no rain in it. The Bible describes these people that preach out of selfish ambition as being like that. They can probably hold your attention, but it's because they're great speakers, not because they've got anything to really say. So I will tell you this. If you have sat under somebody year after year after year after year, you may have found in that time you've gone closer to your uh, fellow church members. That is great. That is wonderful. You may, have, you may have found, you know, that you've been blessed in some sort of way. But if you have not grown in your knowledge and understanding of God's word, there's a chance that they're just speaking great swelling words of vanity. And you need to be careful. We should be learning something about the Lord and growing in knowledge when we have the herald stand up in front of us and speak. So we don't preach out of selfish ambition or electioneering, or you shouldn't. Why do we preach then? It's a very odd thing to me, and the Bible speaks about having treasure in earthen vessels. It's a very odd thing to me. You know, I don't stand up here. Brother Tim doesn't stand up here because our list of sins are shorter than your list of sins. It's probably greater. It doesn't work that way. The Bible speaks about, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit if we have time. The Bible speaks about the Lord gave gifts unto men. Some he gave to be pastors, which I am certain that Brother Tim is blessed with that gift. Some teachers, some apostles, and he says, and some preachers. And that is when the Lord gives a man a burden to sit down, to study, and just, a, just some sort of, and it's hard to describe, just an inner fire to herald and speak and preach about the Lord. And one thing, when, I, when uh, we first came to the Primitive Baptist Church, I asked Brother Tim, we were sitting out at lunch one day, and uh, I asked him, I said, Brother Tim, I said, how do you know if you're called to preach? And it's, a, it's the funniest thing, the thing that he told me. He said, well, and he told me some other things. One of the first things he said, he said, when I was younger and I felt the burden to preach, he said, I found that I was preaching to steering wheels and I was preaching to fence posts and I was preaching to trees and what he was telling me was that I have got some sort of fire inside of me that if I do not release this, that it's just going to consume me. And that's what Paul says, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. 
And what does Jeremiah say? Jeremiah had the worst call to preach of anybody that you could imagine because God told Jeremiah from the beginning, nobody will listen to you. You know, and that's discouraging for a preacher. If I stood up here and I, and I preached and preached and preached and preached, the sky's blue, the sky's blue, the sky's blue, the sky's blue. And then one day somebody comes up and says, that's been sitting here during all those sermons, says, now, what color is the sky? And you're like, oh, I'm a failure. The Lord told Jeremiah, nobody's going to listen to you. And Jeremiah gets so disgusted with his ministry, he says, nobody's listening to me. They all hate me. He says, I'm just going to quit. I'm not doing this anymore. And then the very next thing he writes, he says, but if I quit, he said, this is like a fire that is shut up in my bones and about to consume me. And he said, it is better for me to preach and them hate me than to me hold this all in. You see, that's not something that Jeremiah just conjured up within himself. That's something that the Lord put on him that he doesn't put on everybody. It's a gift to herald and to preach. Why do we preach? Let's look at Colossians, the first chapter. I'm going to look at just a few verses here about why we preach. Colossians, the first chapter, verse 28. The question that was raised to me is if you believe salvation is solely of the Lord and the new birth is solely of the Lord, why do you preach? And my question back to them was, if you were preaching in a church with, say, 10, 15, 20 people, and based on what you believe, if you knew for a certainty that 100% of the people that were attending in that church on that day, if you knew for a certainty that 100% of those had done whatever it is that you told them they needed to do to be saved based on what you believe, and you got there that morning and they all sit out there and you look and say, every one of these is whatever, accepted or been baptized or whatever. Would you still preach? You wouldn't just pack your bags and say, hey, we're all, we're all saved, so there's no need to preach. Because preaching is about proclaiming some things. Colossians, the first chapter in verse 28 to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect, that does not mean sinless, that means mature and complete, mature and complete, perfect in Christ Jesus. We read over in 2 Timothy, I'll flip over there for you in the fourth chapter in verse two. Let me read this in uh, 1 Timothy four, starting in verse one. He says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge, his, judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Let me tell you a bad combination. A bad combination is when you've got a man that wants to preach out of selfish, selfish ambition, and you've got a bunch of people that are looking for a teacher that will heap upon them things that they want to hear. It says, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, 
That's two of many verses in the Bible that speak to us about the purpose of preaching is to warn people, is to rebuke if necessary. It also says to reprove and it says to teach with all long suffering and doctrine because there's things that God's people need to know to navigate through this world and the best they can stay out of the clutches of Satan. That's, that's why we preach. You say, Brother Luke, if you believe what you believe about salvation, why do you preach? Because the devil's a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he wants nothing more than to rip and tear us apart and just destroy us. But the Bible lays a path out for us of how a God, child of God needs to walk. But you know what else it lays out for us? It lays out for us how merciful and loving the Lord is when we find ourselves off of that path. And that's a path we've all fallen off of before. But the Lord, you know, the Bible says this. Hebrews, the second chapter. In verse 17, it says, wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That means it behooved the Lord. It pleased the Lord to go from eternity down here into this corrupt, wicked, fallen world. Why? It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. Did you catch that in there, what it said? It said it behooved him that he might, not that he might be a faithful high priest, but that he might be a merciful. Notice they put that in there, a merciful Faithful and high priest. So the Lord left the realm of heaven so he may come down and be merciful to his people. Because he knows the devil is that roaring lion. And there's going to be times that he finds one of his people wounded and bloody and torn to pieces by the teeth and the claws of the lion. And he goes over there and he is a merciful, faithful high priest. You know what God's people need? They need to know that. How are they going to know that if somebody doesn't stand up and proclaim it as a herald? We preach because we believe as Primitive Baptists something that is called time salvation. That's not a phrase used in the Bible. That's not the word is not in that order is not used in the Bible. But it does not take a rocket scientist to figure out that the Lord is able to deliver you from snares and traps in this life. That's what we call time salvation. A great example of that is when the Israelites were, had left Egypt and Pharaoh decides to pursue them and he corners them at the Red Sea and they're bearing down on them with chariots and horses and spears and weapons and the children of Israel have nothing and God opens the Red Sea, they part and they close it back in on, the, on the Pharaoh and the Egyptians as they come through and the Bible says that the Lord saved Israel that day. From what? Not hell and the wrath of God. He saved them from the wrath of the Egyptians. And I can promise you that the Lord is wanting to save his people. If you let me say it like this, the Lord says, hey, look, don't go down that path. Because that path has got grass this tall that's the exact color of a line. And it's all the way, it comes all the way up to that narrow road that you're going to be walking on. And if you walk down that road, you're not going to be able to see the line until he pounces on you. 
you need to walk down this road. This got, you know, half a mile of open field on both sides that it's going to be very easy to see something out there coming to you. That's what the preacher does. It says the Lord says, take that road, not that road. That's why we preach, because we want to exhort. We want to warn over in, um, I believe it's Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Yes, it says, and he gave some, talking about gifts that the Lord gave us. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, the making mature and completeness of the saints. That's what the Bible says about the word of God that he gave it, that the, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished. God wants us, the Lord's desire for, for us is to continue to grow as, as, as one of his children. You know, I've got four children. They're 9, 11, 13, and 16. I don't want them to just stop where they are in their knowledge of anything, really. I don't want, you know, Jack's nine years old, Hank's 11 years old. I don't want to say, ah, whatever education you got right now, you're good. You don't have to learn anything else. They would probably love me if I did hold them that. <laughs> but that's not what I want for them. I want them to grow so when instead of being 9 and 11 when they're 29 and 31 that they'll have some things in their head that will help them navigate through life. And that's what the Lord wants for us. And so he gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors for the perfecting, for the growing, for the maturing. That's why we stand up here and do this. The conclusion of the matter. Now, that, now listen, there's times that I want to stand up here and I, I, I love to preach to you. And that's why I've spent six or seven or eight sermons preaching to you about salvation by grace. I want to preach to you about salvation by grace. And hopefully by the end of every one of those sermons, everybody's eyes are looking to the Lord and not at themselves and what they did or their decisions, but looking at the Lord for his sovereign mercy and saving his people. I want to preach on those things. But I also want to preach to you about what the Bible says about running with the wrong crowd and where that path leads and what the path that the drunkard goes down, where that leads. We want to preach about those things because Every time a child of God goes down one of these paths where the line is able to destroy, in some part, it destroys us. Because our heart is for the people of God. And every time a child of God goes down this way, we rejoice in that. But we also want to stand up here and preach again about the faithful and merciful high priest. There's been so many times in my life what I needed to hear is, Luke, I know you went down this path, but he's a faithful and merciful high priest. That's why we preach. We preach because if you're anything like me, and I know you are, that your ears grow dull sometimes of hearing the things of the Lord and you get swamped by the things of the world and maybe we grow a little apathetic. And maybe if the preacher just said, well, they're all apathetic, we're not going to preach, you would never have that experience that I've had before walking through the doors with just an apathetic, dull ear mentality and sit there and the Lord used the preacher and something he said to just kindle that fire that has started to die. That's why we preach. We, I preach and, and I like to be preached to to be taught. 
I need to be rebuked sometimes. I need to be convicted sometimes. I need to be warned sometimes. I need to feel somebody bathe me in the mercy of Jesus because I have failed. That's why we preach. I know Brother Tim well enough to know that Brother Tim doesn't stand up here and preach because he wants to be somebody. Brother Tim has a heart for God's people. I have a heart for God's people, and I know what it's like. I, I can tell you just a little, a little history. I had felt the call to preach a long time, and there would be things that I would read in the Bible, and thought the, I feel like the Lord would put thoughts in my head, and, and he, he would basically cultivate a, a, a sermon inside of my head, but I wasn't a preacher, and it was misery. Misery. You can ask Tiffany, and, and I would just, she, she heard many sermons long before I ever stood up in a pulpit. It was misery to have that fire inside of you wanting to get it out for God's people. I did not put it there. Brother Tim didn't put it there, and, and I didn't put you know, it in Brother Tim. The Lord put it there. And we're not doing it so we can be somebody. We're doing it because we love you. It honors God, and we want to see God's people thrive. That's why we preach. So if somebody ever asks you, if, well, if I believed what you believed, I don't even understand why you'd preach. That's your answer to them. Is the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And while he cannot put a tooth or a claw in my salvation, he can absolutely destroy me on this side of heaven. And we don't want that. I hope that that's been profitable to you. If there's one or more here who would like to become a part of this church, We'll give you that opportunity now.